You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. Well, the Lord does. This is encouragement for the exhausted. Now, last Sunday morning, we looked at verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we said we need to fully examine that shepherd's position. He says, I've made an investment in you. I'm interested in you. I desire intimacy with you. And we can have this together if you'll trust in me as your Lord and as your Savior. And I want you to quote, not to read, but to quote aloud with me this morning the first part of verse 2 of Psalm 23, the part that says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Let's say that aloud together now. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Let's say it again. This is encouragement for the exhausted this morning. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Now let's pray together, and as we pray this morning, I'm going to ask Brother Bill Spain to come and lead us in our offertory prayer, and he's going to be praying that God will touch your heart in this worship service. And visitors, once again, please, if you will, put your visitor's card in the offering plate right along with your offering. Brother Bill. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you now in this time of our worship service, we come to acknowledge that you are the giver of life, that you have given us a lesson by example. You've given us lessons in your word about giving. I just pray that you would help us to learn what it is to give as you would have us to give, as you've directed us to give. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity of giving back to you that a portion which you've blessed us with and help us to realize that everything we are, everything we have, we owe to you. And we honor you by giving back to you. We pray your hand would continue to be upon this service as our pastor comes to bear his heart from your word to us. Help us to be attentive, not only to be attentive, but that we might take your truths and apply it to our lives, that we might bring glory to you as we live day by day to honor you by the way we live. Again, we ask now that you would just continue to be upon us, be with us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Before I share with you the message which is on my heart this morning, let me tell you about the message series which I am beginning this evening and every Sunday evening and Wednesday evening between now and the 1st of October, I'm going to be preaching a series of messages entitled, How to Walk with the Lord. We're going to be thinking this evening on this subject, how to walk on water with the Lord, how to walk on water with the Lord. Some of you would say, Brother Tom, for my problems to be solved, I've got to have a miracle, something akin to walking on the water. Uh, others of you would say, well, well, I need, you know, I need to find a fish that's got money in it, or I need uh, to know how to feed 5,000 people. Well, tonight, how to walk with God on the water, how to walk with God on the water. And then Wednesday evening, how to walk through the fire. Some of you feel like you're walking through the fire right now. So this coming Wednesday evening, I'll be preaching a message entitled, How to Walk Through the Fire with the Lord. So this series on Sunday evenings and Wednesday evenings, How to Walk with the Lord. Then beginning the 1st of October, we'll begin an exciting new book study together. Now with your Bible open to the 23rd chapter of the Psalm. Psalm 23, the Shepherd's Psalm. This morning I want to speak to you on this subject, encouragement 
for the exhausted. Encouragement for the exhausted. Just a few weeks ago, I stopped one of our dear brothers and a good friend of mine as he was walking down one of the hallways here in the church. And I said, well, how are things going? And he paused for a moment and said, do you really want to know? And I said, I really do want to know. I'm not just asking you that question as a manner of greeting. I want to know how things are going. He said, well, Brother Tom, right now, I'm really down. And I said, well, friend, what's got you down? I don't know if that's good English, but that's the only way I knew how to ask the question. What's got you down? He said, do you really want to know? I said, I wouldn't ask you the question unless I really wanted to know. He said, Brother Tom, it's simple. Living's got me down. I said, well, what about it? He said, that's just it, just living. He said, living's got me down. And then without sharing with you the details of what he said to me, he said, in every area of my life, he said, I have a burden. He said, I can't think of any area of my life in which I'm really what you would call perfectly healthy as a Christian. And I'm getting tired. He said, living has got me down. Well, I said to this dear brother, this psalm is for you. And this morning, this message for you is for you. If you are one of those who would say, living, just living has got me down. Every way I turn, every area of my life, I find a matter of concern, something that is a burden to me, something that is unsolved, something that is bringing me to a point of spiritual, if not physical, exhaustion. And by the way, those two are intimately tied together. And so this morning, I want you to look with me at the second verse of the Shepherd Psalm, the first part of that second verse. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Now, I want to speak this morning about two issues. First of all, your significant concerns, and secondly, your shepherd's commitment. Let's look just for a few moments at what I want to call your significant concerns. What is it in your life that has got you down? What is it in your life that well, warts you or troubles you or seems to never go away from you. It is that ever-present problem area of your life. And you would think, if I could just solve that problem, my life would be happy. Or if I could just find God's answers to these needs, my life would be satisfactory. But living's got me down. I am exhausted. Well, let's think just for a few moments about what I want to call your significant concerns. It has occurred to me that if you would take all of your concerns, everything that troubles you, everything that is a burden on your heart this morning, and if you could sift through all of those and categorize them, I believe you would find that they fall in four very distinct but important categories. And let's look at them just for a few moments. First of all, there are those of you who would say, my burdens, my concerns are in the area of what I want to call my security. I could be happy if I just had security. Now, how do we define security? Well, just to know that I am safe, not only externally, but eternally. I have security. I remember some years ago 
when our oldest daughter, who just turned 20, uh, was just a little girl, just probably about four years of age, maybe three or four years of age, we had a terrible lightning and thunderstorm in this small uh, Texas town where we were living. And during the night, I heard her begin to whimper just a little bit. And so I got out of my bed and I went into her bedroom and I said, now you don't need to worry. You don't need to, to fret about this. I mean, you know, God is in charge of everything. Boy, about that time, I mean, God let a big one loose. He just went a crash. Boy, you know, and I even jumped a little bit and I thought, Lord, I hope you're in charge of all of this. And uh, the lightning, I mean, the, the uh, uh, window was just lighting up and you could see the trees out there and the rain was coming down and the thunder was was just shaking the house and I started to leave the room. She said, no, you got to stay here. And so um, I sat down on the edge of the bed and she says, no, you got to lie down with me. And so, so uh, I stretched myself out there on top of the covers with her and uh, I began to feel her little hand as it moved, first of all, across my chest and then up here on my face. And I said, what are you doing? She said, daddy, is your face toward me? And what she was saying is, it's not just enough to, to know that you're here. I want to know, are you really right here paying attention to me right now? now? I believe there are some people in this auditorium this morning who are wondering if God's face is toward you. You have come through some tumultuous experiences. Some of them have literally wrenched you emotionally. Perhaps it's a matter of a great financial burden. It could be that your family has been rent asunder. It could be this morning that you have received some report about your physical well-being that has brought tremendous distraction to you. And you are wondering, am I secure? Am I safe? Do I have safety from external problems? But also, do I have that eternal security which only the Lord God can assure me? And so the first concern this morning that you have is a concern for security. Everybody faces this issue of safety or security. The second concern is the matter of what I want to call sufficiency. Sufficiency. Not only am I safe, but do I have enough to function in a productive fashion? Now, I qualify it by saying to function in a productive fashion because not any one of us wants to live in a comatose fashion. I suppose you could just barely get along, barely make enough. But it is this matter of sufficiency. Do I have enough? Unless I am sadly mistaken this morning, there are some of you for whom that is the primary question you ask before you do anything. Do I have enough? Can I really pull this off? Is there enough in my pocketbook? Do I have enough strength? Do I have enough friends? Do I have enough cleverness? But you want to know if you have enough. Now realize that we live in a nation which is far and beyond more blessed in a material fashion than most other nations of this world. I can think of very few nations, if any, which have been as blessed materially as we are here in the United States. But yet, I meet people all the time who are wondering if they're going to have enough to make it. Now, I know you are alive. I know you haven't starved to death through the night somehow. You have made it to church on Sunday morning. But I also know that there are hundreds of people this morning in this congregation seated right out here in front of me for whom the issue of sufficiency is very real. Do I have enough? 
Can I really make ends meet? Am I really going to be able to make it? And so that is the second category. The first, security. The second, sufficiency. Do I have enough? All right, here is the third category, stability. Now, you can be safe and you can have sufficiency, but what about the issue of stability? Now, they tell me that one of the most disconcerting things to children as they're growing up is this issue of stability, to live in a home uh, surrounding that is not stable, to never know whether one day or the other they're going to find their parents at home, whether they're going to walk in on some big argument, whether they're going to be moving from this house to another apartment, to live in that car, to go see grandmother and granddad and to stay with them for a while, that that is so disconcerting to little children. What it all also is disconcerting to adults, this whole issue of instability. And we are living in a generation which is characterized by instability. As a matter of fact, did you know that the whole philosophy that we call the philosophy of existentialism, you see that word existence, it says existence is prime. My existence this moment is the only thing that counts. Forget the past because the past doesn't mean anything. Forget the future because who knows what's going to happen in the future. Just live for this moment. Just grab all the gusto you can. You're only going around once. Do everything you can think about now. Forget about the hangover you might have tomorrow. Forget about the fact that you might get pregnant. Forget about all of that, what it's going to do to you morally and physically. Forget about it. Just live for this moment. I saw this past week in a candy shop. Brother Tom, what were you doing in a candy shop? But I saw in a candy shop a sign which typifies this. It said, eat dessert because life is uncertain and eat it first. Well, I suppose that's right. You, you know, if you believe life is uncertain, you'd want to eat your dessert first. You might not live to eat the roast beef or the, the ham sandwich or whatever it is that you're going to have. Well, there is this instability which characterizes our nation. And so we look for this whole uh, matter of security. We look for sufficiency. We look for stability. And then finally, there is this concern. It is the concern for significance. Not only am I safe, not only do I have enough, not only can I live in a stable or a settled environment, but do I mean anything to anyone? Do I mean anything to anyone? Now, nothing, I suppose, is uh, so disconcerting as coming home, as many of you do, and I know this uh, quite frankly, and I know this is disconcerting to you, to come home and to find it empty, to call out, is anybody here, and to receive no response. Why, there is a loneliness to that. There creeps over you this whole issue of, well, who cares anyway? Am I important to anyone? Now, I've said this morning that the significant concerns of every one of us can be broken down into these four categories. Am I secure? Do I have sufficient? Is my life stable? And am I significant? Do I mean anything to anyone? Does anybody care about me? Does anybody care what happens to me? If I just moved off the face of this earth, would it make any difference to anybody? Am I significant? Now, you're probably asking yourself, Brother Tom, how does this relate to the 23rd Psalm? And most specifically, how does this relate to that statement that the psalmist makes in verse 2, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. All right, here is how it relates. Did you know that sheep will not 
lie down until all four of those issues are settled in their hearts. The issue of security, the issue of sufficiency, the issue of stability, and the issue of significance. Those who are shepherds, those who tend sheep, those who know their personalities and know the system of a sheep and of a flock of sheep tell us that all four of those issues have to be settled before a sheep will lie down. Now, sheep are not driven. You don't really make sheep do anything. Sheep, as you know, are totally dependent animals. As I mentioned last week, they're absolutely dependent on the shepherd. Without the shepherd, sheep would ultimately become prey. The predators would get them. They would starve to death. They really don't know how to forage or to fend for themselves. Sheep depend upon a shepherd. But did you know that a shepherd does not drive sheep except at one time? Sheep that are going to the slaughter are driven sheep. What a shepherd does is to provide an environment which is healthy, which is wholesome for the sheep which are under his care. And so the shepherd looks constantly to provide in those four areas for his sheep. For instance, a sheep will not lie down if the sheep somehow senses that he is in danger. The sheep simply will not do it. That uh, those sheep, you can take a flock of sheep, if they sense that there is a predator, if they sense that there is a stranger, some animal which will create problems for them, if they sense, for instance, that they are near a precipice or that the water is roaring or rushing, sheep simply will not lie down. They are so defenseless that the only thing they can do is run when they are attacked, and so they stay on their feet unless they know they are secure. Sheep will not lie down until they have eaten to their sufficiency. They simply will not do it. Unless their stomachs are full, they will continue to forage. They have to have had sufficient food before they will lie down and ruminate. That is to, to, to do as cows do. That is take that which they've taken in and work it through their digestive system so that it can bring nourishment to them. Until they have enough, they will not lie down. Sheep will not lie down in an unstable environment. Now, let me give you an example. Sometimes there are fields which uh, look to be uh, the kind of pasture where you would want a sheep, but there are all kinds of flies in that field which would wart or worry the sheep. Or sometimes within a flock of sheep, uh, one or two or three of the sheep will begin literally to cause friction with the other sheep. They'll start butting them, they'll start nudging them, they'll start pushing them out of the way so that they can get the best uh, grass that is there. And so one of the responsibilities of the shepherd is to see that there is a settled environment for the sheep. There is stability. Also, sheep have it inherent in their personality to want to know they are being watched. Sheep need to know that someone, something, is someone is taking care of them, that they are significant to someone. And until those four issues are settled, sheep will not lie down no matter how tender the grass, no matter how green or lush the grass may be. 
And so we've said your significant concerns are very similar to those of a sheep. The concern for security, the concern for sufficiency, the concern for stability, and the concern for significance. Now, the shepherd, the Bible tells us here, makes us to lie down in green pastures. What is the psalmist saying? David is saying, when I look back and examine the way that I took care of my little flock of sheep when I was a young man, I see that my Lord, the Lord himself has taken care of me in much the same fashion. And so I want you to look with me at what will happen in your life when you come to a point of total commitment to Jesus as your Savior and as the Lord of your life. And by the way, it's very difficult in my mind for us to separate those two terms because a sheep totally trusts the shepherd. Without that care of the shepherd, that sheep is defenseless. When you come to Jesus as Savior, you must come to him as Lord. You must say, I am casting myself upon you. I am trusting you totally for everything in my life. I am trusting you, as someone has said, lock, stock, and barrel. I'm giving everything to you. Now, suppose this morning you come to the Lord in that fashion. You say, I'm helpless. I'm defenseless. I cannot solve my problems. The pastor has used the right word when he has spoken of exhaustion because I have come to a point, perhaps a physical, maybe spiritual, maybe emotional exhaustion. I am an exhausted person and I have come to the end of my rope. How can I have my needs met? All right, you can have those needs met by coming to the Lord who is the good shepherd himself. And so we've looked at your significant concerns. Let's look at your shepherds, that is the Lord Jesus, your shepherd's commitment. Isn't it interesting to discover that Jesus has made a personal commitment of his life to satisfy your need in every one of those four areas? Let's look at it just for a moment. The Lord, for instance, says, I will satisfy the issue of security in your life so that you can lie down in a green pasture. How do I settle the issue of security? I settle the issue of security through my present involvement with your life. That is, I am here. Now listen to some of the scriptures. For instance, he says, Lo, I am with you always. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The scripture says, and underneath you are his everlasting arms. Now what he's saying is, my presence is your guarantee of security. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be not dismayed, he says elsewhere. I am with you. As I mentioned a few moments ago, it's so concerning, isn't it? To come home expecting someone to be there open the door and call out anybody home and to receive no answer, to receive no word. And there are people here this morning who can tell me more vividly than I could ever explain it what it's like to come home and to call out and to discover that no one is there. But how encouraging it is to come home and to hear this in reply, is that you, sweetheart, honey, are you home? You know, as if, you know, that body was there and you were calling out, but it wasn't you home. Are you home? Yes, I'm here. And there's somebody else here who cares about me. There's something that says, this is a secure place. There are other people here 
They care about me. Little children who come home and find no parent at home often uh, grow up with all kinds of fears, all kinds of phobias. Nobody's home. I don't know what I would do if something were to happen. What if the house were to catch on fire? What if someone were to come to the door? What would I do? Children like that often have these kinds of fears. Now, to that, your shepherd, the Lord Jesus says, I have an answer for you. I'm going to guarantee you that I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am always here. By the way, one of the reasons that there are people here who have real trouble sensing that they are secure in their salvation is because in their home, their father said to their mother, I won't ever leave you. Mom said to dad, I will never leave you. These children love that. They love feeling so secure. One day a rift occurred in that marriage and perhaps the father said, I've had it. I am through. I am leaving and he leaves. There's great heartache. There's great torment. There's great insecurity. There's great instability which follows. And then they come to a church and they hear about God, the heavenly father who loves them who will never leave them nor forsake them. And they say, yes, I've heard a father say that before, but the day came when he got fed up and left. And maybe the day will come when my heavenly father will get fed up with me and leave. Well, let me tell you something, friend. There's a difference between your earthly father and your heavenly father. Although earthly fathers ought to set an example for heavenly fathers, the difference is this. Your heavenly father will never leave you nor forsake you. He is an eternally perfect heavenly father and you are eternally secure in his love. And so he says, I'm going to guarantee you security through my presence. I am never going to leave you. I am never going to forsake you. Be not dismayed. I am with you. And if you're one of those people who come home, open the door, call out, or you come home knowing there's no need to call out, you're in an empty house and you wonder, am I safe? Listen, friend, you are eternally secure in the arms of the one who counts the most, and that is the Lord Jesus himself. He guarantees your security through his present involvement. What about your sufficiency? Now, this is very interesting. He guarantees your sufficiency, that is, you will have sufficient in all things, through his previous involvement. You say, Brother Tom, what does that mean? He guarantees that I will have enough through his previous involvement. Well, listen to what a shepherd does. A shepherd always would go before his sheep to scout out the good pasture. Many times a shepherd, this happens even today, a shepherd would find a place that would be ideally suited for pasturing his sheep. There'll be some good grass there, but looking around it, he will also see that there are some kinds of plants which would be dangerous for the sheep. Or there's rocks, or there's rubbish or brush there that he would need to move before he turns his sheep into that pasture. But the shepherd would always go before. He would always scout ahead. He would always make a previous inspection of the pasture before turning his sheep loose in it. Now listen, the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, says, I guarantee that you will have sufficiency. In fact, the scripture says all sufficiency in all things because of my 
previous involvement in your needs. I, in other words, have gone before you. In fact, as Jesus said on one occasion, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now, you cannot find yourself this morning in any kind of a situation into which the Lord has not walked before you and by his previous involvement guarantees that you will have sufficient through it. Now, let me give you an illustration. Some of you are saying, uh, Brother Tom, a big need that I have is a need for overcoming temptation. I don't know how to deal with temptation. Now, how can you say to me that the Lord has gone before me so that he'll give me sufficient power to deal with temptation? And let me just stop here for just a moment. Now, I've said something about this before, but let me say it again. I know many of you have read about this motion picture which is being uh, uh, shown called The Last Temptation of Christ. It is a godless, vile, evil depiction of the Lord Jesus and his life which should be avoided at all cost. And I don't know about you, but I'll tell you this. If I knew, and I do know of some, uh, motion picture establishments, theaters, which would air such rubbish and trash as that, I would think it would be beholden upon you and upon me to simply write those people and to say to them, listen, if you are bent on making your money by depicting an evil, vile caricature of my Lord, then you will not make your money from me either now or ever because you have revealed your heart to me. Now, this is, this is the issue of temptation that I'm dealing with. Now, the Lord Jesus, the Bible says, has been tempted in all points like as you are tempted, yet without sin. He has previously experienced the very temptations that you're facing, yet without sin. That's why he can come back and make you this promise. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But he is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. He is faithful in this fashion. He will provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so he says, I've gone before you. I've been previously tempted, so I'll give you sufficient grace to overcome temptation. You say, well, I don't know. I'm being rejected by my friends. Jesus has walked the pathway of rejection before you. You say, I'm not really sure. I am suffering intense physical, uh, physical pain. Jesus has walked the road of physical pain before you. You say, well, I don't know. I am suffering right now from, from tremendous heartache. Jesus has walked the road of of heartache before you. You say, I, I don't know right now. I'm seeming to be misunderstood by my friends. Jesus has walked the road of misunderstanding before you. And so you see, there is not one area in which you're going to be tested. There's not one area of need in your life into which the Lord, the good shepherd, has not already walked. He has already gained the victory. You say, well, well, I'm, I'm worried about whether I'm going to heaven or, or I, I think, you know, I haven't settled that issue. I'm going to spend my eternity in hell if I don't trust Jesus. You're right about that if you don't trust him. But the reason trusting him will guarantee you eternal life is because Jesus has walked the way of death for sin before you. He is the firstborn out 
out of the dead, and he is sufficient to guarantee you eternal life if you will trust in him. And so just as the shepherd would go before the sheep and by his previous involvement guarantee that when the sheep arrived there would be sufficient, so the Lord Jesus has walked before you in every area that is troubling you today, and by his previous involvement and victory and preparation in that area, he guarantees that you will have sufficient for today. I know it's so encouraging sometimes to me when someone says, uh, Brother Tom, I've already been there. I've already got things set up. You don't need to worry. You just show up. You just do your thing. Uh, you don't need to worry about it. I've already gone ahead of you and made the preparations for you. Well, Jesus says, look, you don't need to worry about anything. There is enough there. I have already been there. I will guarantee you that you will have sufficient in your life to meet every need that you have. And so he guarantees you security by his present involvement. He guarantees you sufficiency by his previous involvement. And then he guarantees you stability by his personal involvement. That is, he gets involved in taking care of you. He gets involved in taking care of you. It's persistent. It is persistent. This stability comes through his persistent involvement. In other words, there's never a time when Jesus is not paying attention to you. This stability becomes because of persistent involvement. Now, let me give you an example of this. When the shepherd takes a flock of sheep out into a pasture, he doesn't just turn them loose, go over, sit underneath a tree, and take his eyes off of the, ship, of the, of the sheep. He is persistently paying attention to them. He is persistently involved in what they're doing. He's watching to see whether there are flies that would bother these sheep and create instability. Did you know that flies can so wart and bug literally, no pun intended, the sheep, that they literally cannot eat, they will not eat, they'll spend their time moving from one side to the other, stamping their feet to keep the flies away from their times. When the friction within the sheep themselves, one pushing and shoving and trying to get at the best grass, what happens? That shepherd has got his eyes on those sheep at all time. He says, I am persistently involved in what's happened. Now listen, friend. There is not anything happening to you that is a surprise to your good shepherd. There is not anything happening to you that catches your shepherd off guard. There is not anything happening to you that somehow sneaks up on Jesus. He is persistently involved. The scripture says that he watching over Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. He is awake while you're asleep watching over you. He is persistently involved in your life, and through his persistent attention to you, he guarantees stability in your life. And then finally, he guarantees significance to your life by his personal involvement. Notice what the scripture says. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I think it's interesting that it doesn't say, as a sheep, David comparing himself to a sheep, he doesn't say, well, he tells our flock they can lie down in green pastures. He's saying, my shepherd pays attention to me personally, his personal involvement. Now, there's nothing quite like the personal touch, is there? 
I mean, there's nothing like the personal touch, knowing that somebody cares about you. I mean, it's one thing to be someplace where an individual is present, but it's another thing to know that they're personally paying attention to you. It's one thing to be where a person who's there has already been ahead of you, but it's another thing to know that he is personally involved in you. It's one thing to know that a person is persistent in looking out for your needs. It's another thing to know that he cares about you as an individual, that you're not just a number to him. Some years ago, a census taker, well, he was taking some kind of a survey, was out in the backwoods of Kentucky, and uh, he was knocking on the houses where he could find them and trying to ascertain how many people lived in that area. And so he came to this house, knocked on the door, and a lady came to the door. The screen door was already sagging, and she had a baby on her hip. She had one in her hand. She had another on the way and two or three running about her skirt. And he seemed like there was a half a dozen of them running around in the yard. And he thought this is going to be a hopeless situation to find out about all these people. So he asked her her name, asked her her husband's name. And then he said, lady, I have one other question I need to ask you. What is the number of your children? And with that, she snorted, my kids ain't got numbers. They got names. And you just get off my property if you think they got numbers. And that she turned around and walked back into the kitchen. Well, I think there are a lot of people who believe that they're just a number to God. That God says, well, I got a bunch of people on earth and I, I need to provide for them. I'm not going to let them get in too much trouble, but uh, that he's not personally attentive to your need. My friend, listen, Christ cares about you as an individual this morning. He cares about everything that's troubling you. He cares about everything that's bringing exhaustion to your life. He cares about everything that to you this morning has brought grief or sorrow or sadness. He cares about the things that are making you happy. He cares about those things which are a blessing to you. He cares about those things which are a burden to you. The Lord Jesus cares. Now, what have we said? We said that your significant concerns are security, sufficiency, stability, and significance. But the Bible says here that the Lord, as the good shepherd, makes you lie down in green pastures. In other words, instead of coercing you, instead of forcing you down, the Lord, because he knows your system better than you know your system, he knows that there are times when you need to lie down as well as times when you need to walk and exercise. There are times when the Lord says, I am going to assure you that you are secure. I'm going to assure you that you will have sufficiency. I will assure you of stability. I will assure you of significance because I am with you. Last evening, as I was flying from Colorado into Oklahoma City, I was seated next to a young man who is a medical technician here in this area. He uh, uh, went to school in another state. In fact, went to school on a track scholarship and we began to visit a little bit, and he, I was asking him how he liked this area, and he said, well, I don't like it. Um, over, we talked about a town nearby here. He said, well, I really don't like it. He said, uh, I had two cars stolen in that town, and, and that's a very unsafe place to be, to live in that town where you have two cars stolen. Now, <clears throat> we visited a little bit longer, and he's, I was asking about his family. He said, well, I've been married twice. He said, I've been married and divorced. He said, twice, have a, have a little child. And uh, so I, I talked to him about the fact that it's one thing to have two cars stolen. It's another thing, isn't it, to have your family stolen and to the heart of folks you love stolen away from you. Well, we agreed that it was. And as we began to make our descent into Oklahoma City, I said, I've got some good news for you. Did you know 
that the Lord Jesus has made a personal commitment to provide for you in the very areas of your life where you have your greatest concerns. And then I simply poured out to him that the Lord Jesus desired to be his good shepherd. He would give him security by bringing forgiveness of sin and cleansing of sin and guaranteeing him eternal life, but also everything he needed in this life. For he said, my God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. He would give him sufficiency. He would give him stability that the Lord Jesus would personally give him significance because the Bible says that Jesus thinks everybody is important. Everybody is personally of concern to the Lord Jesus. I mean, he could go into a crowded room and pick out the very people who had the needs. And I simply assured him of the fact that if he would make that commitment of his life to Jesus as his Lord and Savior, the very areas where there was weakness in his life, he could find strength. And as we landed, he said, you know, that's interesting. He said, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. I wish I could tell you this morning there on the plane, as often happens, he bowed his head and received Jesus as his Lord and Savior, that he trusted in him as the shepherd of his life. He didn't make that commitment. I pray that he will live to make that commitment one day. But there's some of you here this morning who need to make that commitment. You've come exhausted. Well, here are these encouraging words for your exhausted heart. He will make you to lie down in green pastures. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, my prayer is that your Holy Spirit right now would take that which is spoken to us by your Spirit, through your Word, drive it home to our heart, dear Heavenly Father, and show us this morning the importance of trusting in Jesus as Savior and as Lord, taking him as good shepherd of our lives, finding cleansing and forgiveness of sin but, Lord, finding also in you the answer to every need of our heart. And I pray these things in Jesus' precious and saving name. Would you keep your head bowed, please? Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. No one moving around unless it's an absolute emergency in these next few moments because we've come to a very significant moment in this service this morning. My friend, listen. The Lord Jesus cares about you. He cares about you personally. He cares about you in such a fashion that there's not anything of concern to you that he is not, of person, he is not personally interested in. And I want to encourage you this morning to release the control of your life totally to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If I asked this morning how many of you would say, Brother Tom, I know Jesus as my Savior, and you're right, the Scripture means what it says when it says that Jesus will meet me at those areas of need. Why, he's given me security. I know that one day when I die, I'll spend my eternity in heaven, but I know that greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. I have security. There are others of you who say, Brother Tom, I can give you a testimony of the fact that Jesus is all sufficiency in all things. There are others who would say, my life was absolutely chaotic till Jesus saved me and he gave stability to my life. And there are others of you who would say, I thought I was a nobody until I discovered that I was somebody to the most important somebody in all the universe and that I could know him personally and I could experience his care personally. Hands would go up all over this auditorium if I asked you to raise your hand as an indication that you had come to a point of trusting in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. But do you know what? There are people here this morning who could not raise their hand honestly. 
They would say, Brother Tom, I'd like to believe I was going to heaven when I died. I would like to believe I had eternal life. I would like to believe I could lay claim to the promise that he would make me to lie down in green pastures where I would have security and sufficiency and stability and significance, but I don't have that. I don't have the confidence if I died, I'd go to heaven. I don't have the confidence that Jesus is alive within me and that I have his eternal life this morning. Well, my friend, I want to urge you to settle that. In just a few moments after I pray, we're going to stand. The moment we stand, I want to urge you to step to the aisle, make your way forward, and come say something this simple to one of these counselors here at the front. I want to trust in Jesus this morning. I want to trust in Jesus this morning. You say, preacher, what's involved in that? Well, it's a simple matter of coming to the end of yourself and saying, I know that I'm a sinner. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. I know the wage of sin is death. That means I'll be forever separated from God in a place called hell if I were to die without Christ. But the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life. And I want to receive by faith that gift of God. The scripture says as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name. And this morning I want to urge you to trust in Jesus alone. Take him, dear friend, as your good shepherd. He cares personally for you. You are important to him. He went to the cross for you and would have done it if you were the only person who had ever lived on the face of this earth. His death on the cross is sufficient to pay the price for your sins. His resurrected life is sufficient for you to spend your eternity in heaven if you take him by faith as your Savior.